end of beer Friday. Yeah. We are at mile 99. For the people of Auburn that know what mile 99 is, it is the 99th mile of the Western State's 100-mile endurance run. It also marks, am I right, the actual 99th mile of the Tevis Cup as well, the 100-mile horse race. Do they come through Roby Drive? They don't come up Roby Drive. They go up over the point and come out near Overlook Park into the fairgrounds. Oh, okay, by so, the skate park right over correct, there. Correct, Okay. So there's a their, their finish is a little entry. I don't think Placer High would want the horses going around <laughs> the Placer High track. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me football coaches and track coaches might yeah. be upset. So. Yeah. Uh, the voice you're hearing is uh, Melissa Johnson. Uh, she's an endurance runner. She's a mother of two. She's also an ultra runner. Or uh, ultra runner. <laughs> Ultra runner, uh, ultra human extraordinaire. Funny. Um, we're gonna talk. Uh, Melissa ran the hundred mile Western States. I want to get into the psyche of mental preparedness for running. Because let's be honest, I would not run that. That's just not my game. But you know, to each their own, right? To each their own. Um, we're gonna give you some facts because it's kind of an interesting story. How. Uh, the Western States started. Um, if you've ever set outside the little Belgium deli, it says the endurance capital of the world. Right? It's painted right on the street, right there on Lincoln Way. Yep. Uh, I think they painted that when the, uh, what was it, California tour came through the bike race. The Amgen they painted tour. that. Yeah. Amgen tour, yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they painted that because there was television crews that were. Following these racers, right? Right. Well, and it has the Tevis Cup, has the um, the Western States Run, and then the Mountain Bike 100. I'm not sure what the status is on that, but there is a mountain bike ride that also was I did hear that. did did the same on the states course and went from Squaw area, and I believe they finished in Auburn. Um, to be honest, I apologize. I don't know a lot about that, but I know the combination of the three. Um, not just those runs um, or that horse ride. There's other endurance events um, relating to horses running and biking road r- everywhere in the area. So every weekend it seems like there's a trail event or something happening here in the canyon now. So Yeah, Auburn's that kind of awesome little community. And I'm born and raised here, so um, you know I'm blessed to to live where I live. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know when did you? get into running when did Um, this this uh runner high kind of come over you because you know everyone talks about the runner high right i've always been um an athlete and i played soccer my whole life and um if you've ever played soccer you know you run a lot um i played center half and defense so even then you run a lot in those positions and i've always um really liked running and I, in high school and college, didn't do cross-country or anything because I always played a sport with a ball. And um, just after I got done playing college soccer, I um, was done. I had, All my time had ran out, and I was in really great shape. So I had a coworker that said, hey, you should run a marathon. I thought, oh, that'd be fun. So he came in the next day and told me I owed him 80 bucks, and I <laughs> ran the Napa Marathon uh, road race in 1999. 
it didn't really start for me in terms of running on the trail until I ran the Auburn Marathon up here at the time I lived in Sacramento. And it's basically the last 26 miles of the way to Cool Course. It starts and finishes at the fire station um, in Auburn, but it or in Cool, but it, it parts of it are on the Western States Trail. And I remember running on the trail and crying to because I was so moved by where I was. I felt like, wow, I'm, I'm home. I felt really like I had found where I belonged. Um, the Western States Trail was always significant. My uncle was an ultra runner, although at the time when he ran, I was in high school and only cared about myself. Um, so I didn't pay as much attention. I wish I would have. Um, but we all knew that he was a big runner. So I think just knowing a little bit about the history and the appreciation of all the stories that are in the dirt. There's so many stories um, of, of and journeys that people took to be able to, to try to, to run a race like that or to ride a horse ride like that. And I just really appreciated not only the racing history, but the history of this area. And the Western States Trail is a huge part of Auburn's history outside of endurance running even. So you came, uh, you you grew up in Sacramento, if I recall. I was born and raised in Lodi, but I moved to Sacramento and went to school, lived downtown and, um, and then moved from there to Auburn to live. Gotcha. And you spent a lot of time up up in Auburn, as most Sacramentians do. Yeah. Come and enjoy our rivers and our hiking trails. Every weekend. When I ran states the first year that I ran it, I was 2009, and I lived in Sacramento at that time. So every weekend I would drive up the hill to to run on these trails. Um, And it it was just, I always knew, I want to raise my kids here, I want to raise my kids here, and it was just about finding employment and a place to live, et cetera, so... I mean, not only are you crazy for running, but you're also crazy because you have twins, right? Yeah, yeah. Twins so, twins will make you a little nutso. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're 14. So, yeah. you know, anyone out there who has uh, teenagers, it's, you know, it's exponential. But, um, no, they're good kids. And they've been, born, you know, been at the aid stations and have been raised around the running. And so they get it. In fact, they're a little jaded because I'll come home right. and – I'll run a marathon. I'll say, you know, I'm going to ask me. Oh, it's just a marathon, mom. <laughs> it's just so what mom does. They're right? totally jaded, but they're they're very supportive. And this year when I ran, it was super cool because they're old enough now. They were there. They got to go to the aid stations and and see me progress through the race and then run with me at the finish, and um, that was very special. So, has any of your kids expressed interest in running? You know, Jacob um, ran, it's called Halloween. He's a great trail runner. He likes the trails. They both love the outdoors, but I've always been really super cautious not to push my passion onto them. Right. You know, you don't want them to, they already, I'm sure, resent it like, oh, serious, here we go again. Mom runs runs 100 miles. Cool story, bro. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So, um, but I want them to love it. Um, I do something that's kind of cool with my daughter. I collect heart rocks, and she's never been like a huge fan of, and let's go out and run on the trails. And I was like, well, someday you may not love the trails, but the trails always love you. So when I go on, she has this chest of heart rocks that I've collected that I bring to her that you can open. And every time I peek bag or, or go somewhere different, I'll bring her a heart rock. And I always want them to know that nature and the trails are there. They're a good source of um, inspiration. And um, it's a sanctuary. I think it's a healthy thing for yeah. all human beings to to be out there whether you're running walking or just sitting yeah so but yeah 
Well, I've known you for a while now um, through a little Belgian belly. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have known you otherwise. Um, Love that place. It's a great place. Yeah. Shameless um, plug. You seem to like therapists a lot. I like therapists. I, and I mean the, the beer therapist. Yes. Uh, um, it's a lot yeah, cheaper I'm, than I'm a, a real therapist. I'm, I'm a part-time therapist <laughs> myself, right? You're a part-time you know, Self-proclaimed. <laughs> Um, so this is this awesome triple IPA. I always try to have you drink ready for you when, when you come in. Yep, I know you awesome. like, like the IPAs. Um, don't even have so to ask. I, I brought a bottle of therapist to share with you and you've got your hop stupid because definitely your hop stupid for, for, for IPAs here, California yep. IPAs. True. Like I kind of like just got kind of lazy about this podcast and I hadn't done one in a month and I saw you, um, like a week ago, we just started talking like we normally talk. Mm-hmm. And it just, this light bulb went off. And I'm like, I got to have Melissa on the show. Because we started talking about how your year ran, or you know, the, the Western states went for you and, and, and all that. And it was like this light bulb. And it kind of re-inspired me to kind of, because I, I, there was other guests I wanted to have on, uh, but I was really lazy about making the, the contacts. And then it was just like, <laughs> You should have Melissa on the show, right? Uh, because the conversation we were having, I was like, I wish we were hitting record, because it was a lot of because it was like what four or five days after you had you had ran it, mm-hmm. and it was kind of you're probably the first time out, you know, kind of thing. So, kind of take us through some of uh, the history of the Western states, um, how it started, mm-hmm. and how you got involved. So, um, the Western states trail itself. The history of it leads back to the gold rush era. If you, and it was the trail, if you go out there, out in the canyons, there's a plaque out there that talks about um, the history of the trail. There's there's an old cemetery out Deadwood. There's still old mining stuff that's out there. And it was the first toll crossing for 25 cents here in the state of California was on the Western States course so that you could take your gear or your whatever, your donkeys, your horses and across to be able to go mine for gold. And when after the trail had or, you know, gold rush comes and goes, the trail stays, but it kind of gotten some usage, but kind of overgrown. And Wendell T. Roby, who hence we're sitting on Roby Point, was a huge advocate for trails and for equestrian riding, um, horse riding, and wanted to preserve the history of the Western States Trail. It runs from somewhere in Montana um, all the way down through, comes in through Squaw, and then comes through the canyons into Auburn. Interesting, because Western states. Western states, okay. right? It combines. It's a it's assuming. a thoroughfare. So, gotcha. um, okay. it, it's the the run came after the ride, and the ride came after the preservation efforts of Wendell T. Roby. To and if you go out there, there's a trail that's dedicated. It's called the Wendell T. Roby Trail that just leads around into the States Trail. But the States Trail in 1955, him and five dudes decide that they're going to go ride this trail all the way through to prove it can be done in one day. Uh, or, you know, they want to, hey, we can do this. Do it in one day. And to be able to draw attention to it, to, 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 to keep it alive, because it's so historical. It's so beautiful. It takes you through the regions that, you know, if it wasn't for the goal, I mean, it completely shaped Auburn. Is right? it a poor man's Pacific Crest Trail? Right, right. <laughs> it does intersect with the PCT Trail. That's hilarious, yeah. 
Um, and so uh, they went out and they did it. Um, and then every year after that, they had the annual Western States ride. So you can imagine they all get together and they're going to go do this thing. And over the course, he, he developed the Western States Trail Foundation, which is still alive today and a huge part of the preservation that goes towards keeping it, um, you know, amazing like it is. And so they um, went out and ran. It turned into the Tevis Cup ride, which is the 100-mile ride. And then in 1974, a gentleman by the name of Gordy Onsley, he had a lame horse and decided, you know what? I can run it. And so he decided, I'm just going to run it. And he did. And he did it in one day. Alongside other Tevis Cup riders. Alongside the horses, um, which, which, you know, could be, I, I can't even imagine. You think about all the dust and everything that kicks up. But he did it. Um, and then after that, in 75, another runner stepped in. And by 76, another guy done it in 24 and a half hours. And at the time, it was huge for them to have to do it in under 24 hours. So if you run Western States in under 24, you get a silver buckle. If you run it in under 30 hours, you get a bronze buckle. But the 30 hours what came on later. They decided, okay, maybe it doesn't have to be done all in 24, but it has to be done by 30. So they extended it. And over the course of the time, by 1977, 14 men had ran it. Um, that was the year that the 30-hour cutoff was born. And then um, in 1978, they decided, hey, we're going to have our own run separate from Tevis. So up until that, they had ran the same day the horses did. And in that year, in June, they decided, okay, we're going to have our own race. Um, 63 runners ran. The first female finished, her name was Pat Smith, in 29 hours and 34 minutes. I just have to kudos to the women. Um, And she finished that year, 62 men. She was the only woman. Um, And then in 1979, 143 runners ran. And then after that year, the the permit because you go through granite granite chief wilderness and you're going the they only allow you to have um 369 runners and so that's limited qualify now you have to not only the qualifier is to make sure that you're not taking a spot from someone who uh maybe you're not as qualified somebody else who is qualified and it's also to help keep the numbers down so you have 369 spots um, the first 10 male and female winners get in automatically. And there's some other automatics if you win some other races to try to get elites in. But predominantly, it's 369 spots and they have a lottery. They pull your number, you get in. Um, I got in. You also get in for volunteering. So if you're a crazy person that moves to be closer to Western states like I did and you want to volunteer every single year and you put in a lot of time, you may get fortunate enough to get is, is that how you were able to get in the Western States? It, this year, yes. Yeah. So because you volunteered so much. Because I volunteered so much. So I help mark the course, and I'm just always involved, and they get to choose. And I already had a qualifier from running the Tahoe Rim Trail 100-mile race last year, and so I got the email, and um, pretty awesome. So. so Western States started off of the Tavis Cup. Mm-hmm. For Gordy. Correct. Um, then eventually they started their own. Mm-hmm. Um, this is essentially a male-dominated Western states. All ultra running is still very male-dominated. Um, there's a lot of theories as to why that's the case, why there aren't more women. I mean, it could be a whole host of 
things, and that's yeah, probably a whole, a whole nother, nother podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whole other podcast for that. But um, but yes, it's still very. It's it's much. There's a lot more um, men that run it than women, and that's in all ultras if you right. look at results. So, but I guess with the Western states, which we didn't mention, is the fact that people come from all over the world, all over the world, to run. To and run. I've seen them. Mm-hmm. Come in the deli, mm-hmm. getting food, beers, and sandwiches. Um, is really fascinating the culture mm-hmm. behind the Western states. Yeah, and it's important to really preserve that as you get more and more people. This is the first year they did drug testing at Western states. They've oh, wow. never had to do that at any other time. Because ultras was always seen, you know, that it, it's very counterculture to have prizes, to have awards, because you want to keep it authentic. You, you want to keep all of the corporate hubbub and all of the riffraff and all the loudness that you can find at in other events out. Um, it really comes down to your competition against yourself and the trail. Your cohorts on the trail, they may be your competitors, but they're also your comrades. Everybody's on this journey together to go through this amazing experience. And we it's, it's culturally... Um, not acceptable to to not be loving and supportive to the people around you in all cases. I mean, if you're out in the wilderness and you pass by a cohort, you're going to ask them, are you okay? Are you, you know, if they seem like they're distressed, you don't just run by them or elbow them out of the way, you know, it's just a different mentality. So, you know, the Western States starts in Tahoe at Squaw Valley. Correct. And it ends at Placer High School. Correct. Where I once was a student. Mm Mm-hmm. About almost a decade ago, <laughs> uh, you know, just to throw that out. Just there. to throw it out. There. Um, but so, is this your first big stage race? Would you say? I mean, you did the Pacific Rim or the Tahoe Rim or the Rim I did job the Tahoe or whatever Rim you did. and I did states in '09. I've done this is my fifth hundred, um, but this was my this year I believe was my hardest event I've ever done. The thing that makes Western states so challenging is the cutoffs so it's not only that you have like tahoe rim they give you 35 hours western states they only give you 30 and the and the cutoffs can be pretty aggressive um in the high country they want to move you right along so this year was a challenge for everybody it was one of the um low uh, highest drop rates so there were 369 starters this year and only 248 runners finished so it's like, I think, forget my math, but I want to say it's like a 67% finish rate. It's one of the lowest finish rates. So 200 plus runners mm-hmm. finish at a 369. Correct. Now, does this have to do with, uh, we had a, a heavy season here with the snow. Absolutely. I mean, there's still snow in Tahoe. Absolutely. Like, let's, I mean, it's July. The snow and in Granite Chief Wilderness, they really want to preserve um, than the natural setting. And so if you ever are out hiking on the trails in Auburn or looking around, you'll notice there are rocks and different things that are done to help water drain off the trail so that the trail stays dry and preserved. Wow. Well, in wilderness, they don't want that. They just want it to be natural flowing. Well, we had crazy heat leading into race day. There was a ton of snow up there. So it just was this crazy melt. And then it sat, though, because the water didn't drain. Right. So for miles, it was just a mud, swampy mess. And so people, for the first time for me, 
you hear a horn. So you, you have to be, just for those of you out there, you're running from aid station to aid station through the mountains. Every Between every five and eight miles, there's an aid station. The aid station has electrolyte drinks, food, aid, um, water, um, uh, stuff to, if you need chafing, you know, I mean, because you always chafe, there's Vaseline. I mean, it's everything. They have everything that you need. Very different than how Gordy and some of the pioneers in the beginning are doing it with no socks. They don't have any gear. There's no GPS. I mean, we're wimps compared to those people, I have to be honest. You read about that amazing pioneers for our sport. But the um, the aid stations, they have cutoffs. And you have to be in and out of the aid station. So I have a friend of mine who's a fantastic roadrunner who was in the aid station running out of the aid station and the horn went off and she got pulled. So it's it's it, when the horn goes, you're done. It doesn't matter whether you are one second behind, five minutes because they have to draw the line. It's heartbreaking. These people we've trained, not only do you have to get a qualifier, but then when you train, it's six months of training. And this year, if everyone, I don't know if you noticed, but it rained every day. I mean, it was, if you weren't running in the rain in the dark this year, you weren't running and you weren't training. And so it was a harder training season. People really put a lot of time in and then the race was hard. So there were 17 drops or that were pulled for time that didn't make the cutoff in the first 15 miles. So you're training for 100 miles. You've been training for six months. You run 15 miles and your race is done. Oh. Because the high country was so challenging and so time-consuming that people were just like, I can't believe my race is already over. So take me through the um, the training resumes. You say six months of training for the Western States. Six months of training. You, you always come in with a good base. You know, I, I, I read a lot about a lot of newbies who, um, you know, they come in, they run the 50K, they run the 50-miler, they run their 100K, they get their qualifier, they may get into states, and then they run it. Um, typically speaking, though, and, and there's a lot of people that run states as their first 100. That's not uncommon, and that's super awesome. Um, but you need to have a base before you go into it. And then the six months starts. So you can go from couch to, to that, but the training starts, um, you know, I, I train low heart rate training. That's a whole other podcast as well. Um, but I run between 50 and 80 miles a week leading up into the race. I'm not a huge high mileage runner relative to some of the other people out there. But this year I did more miles um, than I've ever done. And I think it really helped. So in the past, I would do 55, maybe 60 miles a week. This this season, I did 70 miles a week was more my average in the peak season. So you start out base building. In January, February, you know, and then you <laughs> you you increase your miles and you're always wanting to do vert. So it's not, you know, you, you have to train specific. If I'm running a road marathon, I run on the roads. If I'm doing a hard trail, mar- or tra- trail race, I'm going to train specific for that race. So a lot of up and down. A lot, which is easy to do here. Were you was Where there a spe- specific trail here uh, in Auburn that you love to do you know, that you trained on? Um, I, the state, just right here, I mean, you've got the Kofor Dam Loop, you've got K2, you have uh, Clementine Loop, and Stagecoach Repeats. So yeah. you can get a ton of vert 
um, right here in our backyard without ever having to drive anywhere. Are you so, excited for a gym, would you yeah, say? Oh, I don't even, I don't have a gym. I, I hate gyms. Yeah. Sorry, gym people. Um, and yeah. I don't like... You're getting screwed at a gym. You have an option, you get your backyard Yeah, I, mean, I do the gym. It's right here. Yeah. Um, but I know a lot of people cross-train, but I'm just not a gym person, and I hate being indoors, so... You're not into people named Jim or, or Jim... Jim, okay, G- okay. GYM, sure. yeah, right. um, or mirrors, mirrors are bad, <laughs> <laughs> mirrors are really bad. I never understood that, you know, like mirrors in a gym, like, yeah, no, no. no, I want to work out so later I want to look in the mirror, exactly, <laughs> not while I'm doing it, barf, um, so yeah, it's just, it's a lot of hill repeats, a lot of downhill running, a lot of climbing, and you know, we we run for walk breaks. So that's what we always say in ultra running. I mean, <laughs> you run for walk breaks. Totally. Because if you get to <laughs> that the was bo- me in high school running the the mile at Placer. Right. You know. All right. We're gonna we're gonna walk run the to corners the and we're gonna run the straights. And you sometimes know? you do that in ultras. I mean, you could be you could be in so much pain. I ran through I call the pain cave for about eleven miles. I mean, pretty good. Where I was just solid pain. Um, between mile 82 and 90 was, was most brutal segment this year for me. And you just you just have to run through it because you just want to get it done. And you're going, okay, I'm going to run to that tree. Okay, I'm going to run to that. So you break it up into small parts. No one ever goes to the start line and says, oh, my God, i got to run all the way to Placer, you know, <laughs> you, or Placer track. You right. don't think that. No. You think, I just need to get to the next aid station. Next, yeah. Next aid station. And funny, life is like that. So sometimes in life, you can get really overwhelmed. Maybe you're working on a project for work or your kids are, you know, driving you flipping crazy. So you but you just go, okay, I can only get through today. So that's an aid station. Right. Even in life. And if you start breaking life up like that, it's amazing what you can accomplish. And so ultra running and running 100 mile races um, definitely translate into life skills, I think. You're not convincing me to run. No, no, no. I'll work on it. (laughs) I'll work on it. Um, So what's fascinating about you, Melissa, among many things, is um, not only your mother to, to some 14-year-old twins, but you also work for a living. I do work for a living. I feel like Full-time. Most, some of these runners probably, you know, don't maybe have as much responsibilities. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Probably I'm wrong. Well, there's there's a collection. You know, there's, there's always, there's the runners like me um, who are balancing all of it, who are trying to figure out how that, when do you run when you work full-time and when you're taking right. care of kids and you're, and it's whenever you can. And if there's a will, there's a way. And I'm a very goal-oriented person. If I don't have the goal, I'll be like, eh, I'm just going to have a beer. <laughs> yeah, that's when I see <laughs> I'm just going to have a beer. Yeah, that's when you see me. <laughs> um, but when you when you have something and you, and you have a community that's behind you and people that support you, and ultra running really is a community, um, that's why I love to volunteer so much. You give back to your sport, but it's a, you can't do it alone. You know, you have the aid station. So there's 369 runners. There are over 1,200 volunteers. What? 1,200. 
hundred volunteers for 369 people to be able to run through the mountains. That's not including your pacers, which is the person that runs with you at night to make sure you're safe and 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 keeps you. Which you've done. I mean, I remember conversations. I you've mm-hmm. paced some of your friends. As Love well. pacing. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, um, but you can't do it alone. So you have your crews, you have your pacers, and the 1,200 volunteers. I mean, there's thousands of people that are out there supporting and care about. I mean, I get chills just talking about it. Who, did, who paced you? So my friend Jennifer Hemmen, um, she she paced me, and she also paced me in 2009. Um, I crewed for her. She got a silver buckle year before last and uh, she's just phenomenal. She knows me super well, and she knows when to push me and how to encourage me, and it's really important that you pick the right pacer. You don't want to be at mile 80 and, and wanting to choke the runner that's with you. Yeah, you're at mile 99. You're at mile yeah. 99, and you're like, oh, my God, I just oh, want to shake this person. Up. But shut up. Yeah, she's um, phenomenal. Carrie Hyatt was my crew chief. So I had two experienced people that were helping me because I knew it was going to be a hard year only because of the terrain. I knew I was physically fit and ready for it. Um, but, it, you know, in the high country, like I said, it was the first time that I ever heard the horn. So the horn I was talking about earlier, oh, wow. they, they blow it three times, once for every 10 minutes to let runners know. If you hear it three times, you're 30 minutes it coming in, you have 30 minutes to get in and out of the aid station. Then you'll hear it two more times. Then you'll hear it one time. So they give you 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 10 minutes. Well, I heard the horn coming into that first aid station that I was talking about where all those people dropped. And I've never, it was six minutes. Then I get into the, the uh, Robinson Flat, which is the first 50K mark. So that's the 31 mile mark. And I have 20 minutes behind the cutoff. So, you know, you, but you just have to know. I guess with my experience, I just didn't stress out. I knew that in my body that I was going to be fine, that it was slow and technical, but that I was going to be able to lay the hammer down, so to speak, and I did. So I passed um, hundred over 150 people and was just able to, to run super strong. I, I ran a really smart race, not going out too fast in the beginning, knowing that it was a shit show. And um, and just fueled my body really well and was able to just to have a really strong, strong day. So it was a, um, a special year, especially when you live here, coming up Roby Point and having your neighbors and oh, your family. We missed the party. We were uh, my wife and I were uh, house sitting for the, the Brostrums who live off of uh, Roby Point. And we know the Blairs that live off mm-hmm. Roby Point, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Blairs do a party, and, and your your friends over here, the Mile 99, mm-hmm. do, do a huge party. Um, so take me back to, I want to get into your psyche. Um, like, what were you thinking, if you can remember, like, the night before you're preparing to run? It's a really, it's a, um, it's surreal, because it's almost like your your body knows that you're about to really abuse it. So it's this weird thing, <laughs> and, and I don't know if it's this if it's the brain telling your body or the body telling your brain, but it, it's it's surreal. I was very excited. Um, Marcus, uh, my boyfriend, was with me, and my kids were with me. Um, I 
I just woke up well and went to the start line. It's just, it's an odd thing. But in my mind, when I go to the start line, there's no doubt that I'm not going to finish. There's nothing in me, not even for a second, and I can honestly say that, where I don't ever question whether I'm going to pass the, that I'm going to go to the finish line at all, short of me having some catastrophic injury or something. Yeah, or, or an air horn's not going to stop Or you. an air horn, you know, even though I heard it, which was a little bit, even then, I feel like I've finally, like, grown up a little bit in ultra running. I've been doing it now for 12 years. I just trusted that I knew the course, that I trained properly, um, there's been times when I've been nervous before I go to starts before, and that's probably because I'm like, it's a new trail. I haven't been there before. I know it's going to be challenging. I've done that. Um, but running on your backyard, knowing every single turn, every single climb in and out. And when you're running home, right? You literally, I'm running home. It, it's just, um, I don't know. It's just something where I just accept the work. Like I knew. So when I came into Rob, just to give you an idea, I come into Robinson flat. I've got 20 minutes um, ahead of cutoff and I'm my crew's helping me. I don't sit down in hundred mile races ever. I sat down one time in Michigan bluff, but I don't like to sit. I like to stay standing, get the aid, change my socks while I'm standing um, get, you know, refuel my bottles, get my stuff and then leave. And I'm running out with Jennifer, my my going to be my pacer, but she's screwing me at the time. And she's like, okay, now that we're away from everyone, are you really okay? Like, you know, if I trying to, sometimes you're trying to be strong in front of people and I'm like, no, I'm fine. I just know I have work to do. And I ran that next section through the canyons with run my heart out. I had so much fun. I just ran. It was awesome to have your body do what you've trained it to do and actually have it do it. Um, it's pretty spectacular where you can feel yourself accomplishing your goals as you're moving through the course. It was a challenge to see your comrades because they really are when you're passing people that normally should be hours in front of you. You know, they look at you, they're happy to see you, but they're not. <laughs> they're like, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm running. So I'm not how you can, we just know, you know, either I'm having a really good day or you're having a bad day or the combination of the two. And so there were a lot of situations where people were really struggling. Um, and I think that motivates me to even do better, not because I'm in any way trying to better them, but you want you want it. Someone's got to do the journey, right? It's like a, we're all in it at the start line. It's just a really surreal feeling of love and a sense of comradeship, camaraderie, 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 yeah. you know, just, um, so when you're running through and you have everyone giving you love and there's aid station people and they're supporting you, how can you not do it? Right. right. You almost feel like you're letting them down. If, if, Heck yeah. You know, and your children, yeah. your, your, your crew. I mean, I had, I, I have this saying, I always say, ride the lightning. So, mm-hmm. Yes. I like Metallica and big <laughs> hair bands. Yes. But I love that saying. And there was one time in, in 09 when my friend Dennis Curley, who's my neighbor, and I was bending over throwing up and he was passing me and I'm like, he's asking, are you okay? I'm like, don't stand here and talk this Western States. Yes, I'm fine. Go. Said, and I'm going be careful. I don't catch you. Right. And as he's running down the hill, I'm like, ride the lightning. And it just stuck. And so we all, I always say <laughs> it. And I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, you can't, you can't, you don't know what life is going to give to you. Life's going to give you 
so much crap, but it's how you respond to it. And in ultras, it's the same way. The race is going to give you a lot of shit. How do you respond to that? And and you have to sometimes instead of like dodging the lightning or being scared of the lightning, you just got to ride that sucker. Yeah. Right. Hop on, grab on hard, embrace the pain. Don't give up. Suck it up and and run with all your heart. Like it's just a it's a, um, it's 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 powerful. Right. And, and it, I don't know, just the the sense of. um of accomplishment and, and your, but it's never your own accomplishment. I mean, yeah, you do the training, but family sacrifice, my kids sacrifice, um, my friends who come out and support sacrifice. So it's not just you. And when you're out there and you're like, I'm just Joe Schmo, I'm a 41 year old single mom, single parent that works full time. I was a college athlete, mediocre college athlete. I mean, nothing like crazy. Right. But there's a lot of people on the trails that are like that, and they're just Joe Schmoes out there doing amazing stuff. How can you not be inspired by each other, right? Yeah. Out of um, the 369 ap- applicants that, that run that, mm-hmm. you know, would you know like the age? So like, it's it's an older sport. When I first came in 12 years ago, I was definitely so I'm 41 now. I was 30 years old. I do the math. Excuse me. Um, but there's, you know, there, there, it's not uncommon for someone who's well older than me, 15, 20 years even older than me, that what can hand it to me because they're such good runners. My good friend um, this year, she finished with, she's 61 years old, finished with six seconds to spare. Oh, Jesus. Um, the year before last, Gunhild Swanson was a 70 year old woman. She came running by my house and we ran her in and she finished. So it, it's not uncommon for um, um, for people to defy what you think would what that runner should look like. So right. it's right. like I have this T-shirt that says in my mind or in my mind, I'm a Kenyan um, because it, but you can't judge you look at somebody who's running and you would look at him and go wow really you're passing me you're you're 15 years older than me your body shape may not be the stereotypical depiction of a runner um but you're out here kicking ass there's no it doesn't matter socioeconomic status gender age that's what's so awesome is that it defies and breaks all barriers. And you know what? Frankly, nobody cares. Nobody cares about what you did in college. Nobody cares about what you, what you, what are you doing today? You know, exactly. the never give up mentality. Yeah. You never know? give up. Never give up. And you, you running, being able to run through a pain cave, being able to embrace and know that it's going to hurt, but it can't hurt any worse. Um, and I'll uh, be positive and grateful. I run with a grateful heart. If my mom has been battling cancer, stage four breast cancer for seven years, and I look at what I do and I think this is easy, right? No so kidding. I have health. I'm, it's being able to run 100 miles, to have that kind of support, to be in a race like that. Right. that you, all you can do is be grateful. So. So what time does this race start in Squaw Valley? So we start um, Saturday morning. Um, and it's always the fourth weekend in June. And you start in Squaw Valley right um, at the base of the escarpment. And you climb the first climbs, a four-mile climb. Starts at 5 in the morning. 5 in the morning. So we live in Auburn. 
Right. So you were having to get up at like what time? I got up at about three o'clock in the morning. Could you sleep the night before? Yeah, I didn't. Good. I didn't do bad. Yeah, I went to bed around. They always, it's not really. They say it's the not the night before, but it's the night the night before. So no one ever really sleeps very well before race night. But it's really important as you start tapering. So you train really hard. You 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 train. You go over the six months, and then you peak out. You start climbing, and then you taper. So taperings, you know, that's just where your mileage significantly decreases and you rest your body. We always say haze in the barn. There's nothing more you can do. If you three weeks before the race, if you haven't done your work, it's you're screwed. And yeah. don't try to get it all in, right? So they always say it's better to start to the starting line undertrained and rested and uninjured versus overtrained, tired, and partially injured. Right. So it's a mentality. You see a lot of people that will come in and they just do way too much, too soon, too fast. They're not 100% and and they have a, not the best experience. So it's really important to you rev up, you keep revving, you hit that peak three weeks before, and then you start climbing back down so that when you get to the start line, your body's rested and you're ready to gotcha. go. Makes sense. So it's really important the week leading up to I drink a lot of water, um, I get a lot of sleep. I eat really well. Try not to gain beer weight during that week because yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, like, I, I didn't really see you much. You know, the, uh, yeah. It's unfortunate. My sales were down, but uh, uh, yeah, totally. You know? <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, it, it, you know, it's a balance. And then I run at lunch, and you do the heat training. So you start acclimating your body. That's the biggest thing. Is I sit in an office, so. I would shut my vents and open my windows and shut my office door and then turn the little space heater on next to me. So it would be 72 degrees in the rest of the building and 90 plus degrees in my office. But it, it helps, you know, it's every little thing. a common theme here. You're crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, you know, you got it. It's training specific. You can't expect your body to go and run and heat like that and train if you sit in an air-conditioned oh, yeah, office 10 hours sense, out of the yeah. day, right? So yeah. it's just a doing those little things that help your body go, oh, this isn't bad. And the heat wasn't bad. I like the heat. I'm a cold wimp. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's just accepting the training, even on the days when you don't want to run, you just keep that. You think about coming up this Roby point. You think about running into that track. You think about letting yourself down, letting people down. It motivates you. So I would work and get off in the evenings and you run or you wake up in the morning. I run at my lunch. So just whenever you can fit it in. And then always the long run on the weekend between 25 and 35 miles every weekend. You start at 5 a.m. Squaw Valley. Yep. Get up at 3. Yep. Um, when, do you remember the time frame when you reached where we're at right now, mile 99? Do you remember? Yeah, it was... Um, when I finished, it was, um, I did it in 28 hours and six seconds, 28 hours and six minutes, excuse me. Um, so it was eight o'clock in the morning, right? Five, hours, six, yeah. Seven, yeah. Have you been that sleep deprived before? Yeah. You know, I've ran, um, it's my fifth hundred. So every time you run a hundred mile race, you go through the night. If you pace, you pace through the night or you crew through the night. So yeah, I've gone without sleeping through the night several times you always feel like a zombie but um but yeah when you see the sunrise it's a trip so your body 
I've fallen asleep while I've ran before. Like as you're running, what? you fall asleep and you're like almost Instead of sleepwalking, you're sleep running. Totally. That's, That's a very crazy. real thing. The first time was um, when I was pacing at the TRT 100 in Tahoe, my friend Nancy, and I was running behind her. It's at altitude, and I tend to get more fatigued at night. It doesn't happen to me at States because by the time you get down here and at that time, you're just outside of um, Auburn, so you're not. it's not a high elevation. But... You fall asleep at altitude for some reason. I do. And just running behind her had started dozing off. And you wake up as you're falling. It's a really weird sensation. Um, And you kind of, I remember literally slapping myself in the face. Very similar to driving, right? When you roll the windows down, turn the music up, slap yourself in the face. How many times have you done that? Um, But you're running on the trail doing that. So... Um, it's it's a trip. So you're running the hundred mile, uh, you know, starting at five a.m. Mm-hmm. Right, you get up at three in the morning. You know, you make it. It's about an hour to get to Tahoe, right? To get to Squaw Valley. Well, I was staying there, so we were. In oh, you were Squaw already Creek. there. You were, we were already like there. ten minutes away. So I go up. Yeah, you go up. Um, there's a mandatory meeting the day before. You have a mandatory check in. Um, they put a band on you. You get all of your stuff. You, they sign up and once you're checked in, then you have another check-in that morning. And there's a race briefing that lets you know about things that to expect on the trail, if there's any last minute. So hence, like I had referred to the mud and stuff earlier, we got that. So, you know, you're running 5 a.m. You start, you ran it in 28? 28 hours. 28 hours. Okay. So you ran it, came in about 8 a.m. on Sunday. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, now, most most participants um, sleep at the Placer High School football field with tents once, and stuff? Once they finish, it depends because people are coming from all over the world um, and all over the country. It's a highly sought after. It's like the Boston Marathon of 100-mile races, to put it into perspective. For, there's a lot of 100-mile races, more than you would imagine. So if you go, start Googling it. But Western States is the Boston um, it's the, I would say the loud, quote unquote, loudest in terms of spectators, because it's not easy to spectate a trail run that goes that length. Um, it's not like sitting and watching a baseball game, right? People pay for seats, can sit around, you get athletes. It's hard to watch people run a hundred miles, but they come the way that this race and the way the aid stations happen. There's all places along the course where you can get a pretty large crowd, um, and, and people will come to see the front runners come through and, um, and then their friends and family and et cetera. So it, it, it's to me, the loudest hundred mile race I've ever been to in terms of spectatorship. So. Did you, did you sleep in your own bed after the race or did you sleep at last race? No, my own bed. In fact, people joked and said, well, what will it be like running, you know, past your house? And when, you know, there's a method to the madness. I know that I'm super blessed woman and that I get to live where I live and I get to be in this community. But I didn't happen by accident. I worked really hard to be as close as I could to this community 
and this trail and this race because I love it so dang much. We call it Western Statesmas. Christmas comes two times a year in Auburn. <laughs> and and Western States weekend is Christmas. It is. It is an absolute joy. It doesn't matter whether I'm running it or not. I'm volunteering, crewing, pacing. And anybody who's associated with the race, it's like we you all come alive. It's like during Christmas, everybody puts their tree up and puts lights on. Well, at Western States, that happens um, with an aura and a sense of busyness. And there's meetings happening. And you're meeting with your crews. And you're meeting with your pacers. And you're meeting with volunteers. And it's a whole orchestra. It's a small city. Like I said, 369 runners, over 1,200 volunteers. That's not including your crew or your pacers. So, you know, there's three, 4,000 people that are probably involved in you as an individual getting across a finish line. And ultra running is a really selfish sport. It can be because you have to take so much time from your loved ones and um, you're running alone. You know, it's not team. But and you need and you have so much aid and so much love. But I anyone out there who's never been to the finish line of Western States, I promise you will be inspired by the beauty of the human spirit just by witnessing it. People run with all their might. And it's not the person you would walk by in the grocery store and think was a runner. It's just the Joe Schmo that decides they're going to do something different today and they've been training for it and they do it. And if you go to ultras or if you get that experience or get to volunteer, there's no way. I mean, you, you may not walk away from it going, I'm going to run tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you may never. I mean, it's that's not the point. But it's about perseverance and um, and overcoming you uh, you started at 5 a.m. on Saturday morning. You ended it in 28 hours. Yep. Uh, what was the, the winner? What, what time frame? So just to put things in perspective, the 369 runners, uh, what was the time? Okay, so the winner... If you think about it, so as a we run all the, through the night. As a, I call I'm a mid-packer. I run in the middle of the pack. So we're like, it's like a big wolf pack. You have your front and the back. I'm a mid-packer. The people who are the winner, they run with, they finish Western States without needing a headlamp. So they wow. finish, but then the same day they start. So they start at 5 a.m. as the sun comes up. They finish here in Auburn right about now, right now. It's 7.55. Right now, they're just climbing out of the canyon from the confluence. And they're they've ran a hundred miles literally as thirteen, twelve hours. Well fourteen hours. Well, fifteen, sixteen. The the course record's fourteen something. So this year a gentleman named Jim Walmsey, you can Google him or YouTube him. There's a whole bunch of information out there. But he came into the race saying I'm going to break the record. Didn't. Got sick and ended up dropping. Um last year he missed a course turn. Um, and then it finished, but didn't win. But he's a phenomenon in terms of he's so amazing. He's an amazing runner. Uh, it was just a hard year. And he just unfortunately wasn't able to, to get through, got sick and had to pull. But he, 
there, but the top dogs will finish. And it's hilarious because I'm not even to Forest Hill yet. So I'm still in the canyons, which is in like the 60s, 70s. I'm just You're in to, Tahoe Mountain. I'm just getting to Michigan Bluff outside of Forest Hill right now. So I got in at 8 o'clock, and that's at mile 55 and change. And top of head, yeah, 55 and change, 56 miles in. So I'm a little over halfway. They're finishing, to put it in perspective. Wow. Right? So it's, it's and people finish all through the night at all different times, and they just run in, run through the night, and the volunteers and crews are up all night, and everyone's volunteering and cheering, and, um, you know, they come into the finish line, and it, it's, it's an assessment. They have a medical tent. So for me, I came into the finish line. I... Um, Loved and hugged on everyone that was there, sat on the grass next to my kids for a little while, came home, took a shower, and then came out and sat in front of my house and watched the rest of the people finish because I had friends that were still on the course. So, you know. How did your body feel? Let's let's talk about that because there's there's some some repair. There's right? some repair. So the my feet were in pretty good shape. I pre-taped my feet. Everybody has different ways. Some people lube their feet up. Um, some people use like baby powder type substances. Some people don't use anything. Some people use in Genji socks, wool socks. It's all you know. It all depends. Every body, every physical body, we're all different. Thank God. And so different things work for different people. For me, I pre-tape my feet. I've used duct tape in the past, back in the day. I mean, whatever you can do to keep your feet from blistering. Um, so I had a few blisters on my feet, but otherwise pretty good. I didn't lose any toenails, which is not normal for me. I usually lose one or two. Um, and I, you have body aches. So the first 36 hours after the race, everything hurts. Like, uh, like the night after you lay in bed and you're literally, you can't sleep. You're so in pain. It's, it's your bone aches and, but it hurts so good. (laughs) God, we'll get back to the, you're crazy. You know, but, but it hurts, you know, you really does. You, you don't, and I don't take pain. I'm not a big painkiller. I'm a beer drinker. So, you know. In your outfit, which keeps me in business. Yes, right? it does. You know. it does. Um, but my, um, you know, your your stomach's kind of off. People think, do you eat a ton after? It takes a few days, and then you just want to eat. For me personally, then it, I just want to eat everything. So you finish the race Sunday morning. You wake up at three in the morning. You prep. You get ready. You run the race. You go through the race. You finish. You cheer your friends on. Then you go to the Placer High. They have the award ceremony. the The race ends at eleven, and that's the thirty hour mark. So there are people that run into the track after it, and they still will finish, but they don't that's, get a buckle. I can applaud that. Oh, it's everybody does. It's not. It's the like my friend Karen who ran with six seconds, six seconds to spare, and she's running by, and we were right next to each other at Robinson Flat, so we ran together at the thirty mile mark. But the way the day went for me was different than the way the day went for her. Now she's a grand slammer, which is another podcast. She's running 400 mile races. She's getting ready to run a hundred mile race this weekend. And she's 61. Another crazy woman. She's 20 years older than me. I'm 41. 
So put that in perspective. You know, they're not 21-year-old, 22-year-olds, not having kids without jobs. I mean, there are those, and good for them. But kudos to the to the average Joe. You do know? you know, it just, I just kind of crossed my mind, but do you know the average age range from people? Because... I bet I don't see a twenty-year-old running a hundred mile because you the, you have to stake steps and endurance and pace yourself to that point, right? A hundred miles, right? Yeah, you're not going to see some twenty-seven-year-old. Super good observation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, they think they're getting younger. When I first came in, prior to Facebook, I mean, they have this old ultra list, which was this like old school email chain that came out of. Dartmouth, I think, like some East Coast College, and they must have had some old exchange server, something you would you would subscribe to the email list and you'd get these odd threads. Like mail. I don't I went way back. Um but I just wanted every Marcus, Marcus. This is why we can't have nice things. I'm gonna keep this in the podcast just because the beer that Melissa offered you is rolling down Roby Point. Oh, yeah. But I mean, you know, think about like now, of course, everyone can take a selfie and go, oh, look at me. But think about the quietness and the humbleness of the pioneers and the people out there. And I joke, I used to say I'd never put a sticker on my car and I have one. But um, it's there, you know, I don't know. It's funny you say that uh, because, uh, you know, we talked about doing this podcast and uh, I've known you for a while. I've known you for three years now, yeah, maybe. Yeah. And I knew you lived off uh, street here in Auburn. And uh, it's coming over to do the podcast. And there was there were three things that I knew was your place. Like I had an idea where you lived. It was the running shoes out front. Your car has Western have Western States license plate frame. And there's some some you know text MJ, on a window. Ultra runner, ultra human extraordinaire. That's Dennis. I was uh, like, this has to be a place or I'm giving up on life. Let's see the, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Christina Walsh Curly right there. That birthday writing on my window. Uh, Funny. But I mean that could sum what I know you of is the extraordinaire ultra runner. Amazing mom. Did you get your silver buckle? No, I have my bronze buckle. I'm two your, of them. Yeah, the bronze. Sub 24 is a different beast. Um, you know, um, I don't even care about the buckle. I'm a humble person and I'm very aware of my ability. I am extremely happy with the effort and the journey that's in those two. There's a story in, in all of them. Um, and to me, it's more about the story and the journey than it is about the ornament. Because right. the memories and the taste and the smells and the feelings and is and the humanity that you see is so I could get emotional about <laughs> it because it's so beautiful. And you ask why I love it so much, and um. It really is, it, it, I don't know, it's in all of it. It's so beautiful, and you have to experience it. And you can do it 
You don't have to be a runner. Um, it, it's pretty amazing. Are you going to try and run Western States next year? Oh, I'll try to get in every year. Every year? Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, why not? What's What's the next... Uh, What's the next run? Um, I'm doing a fat ass run, which is a, a free run. It's what we call it. Um, but it's called Yukabar Massacre. And it's like our local version of the Barkley. So only 40 people can do it. I'm, there's a 25-mile version and a 50-mile version. Um, you have to orienteer. There's some bushwhacking. Um you can't have pacers. You got to bring a weed eater out there. Uh, yeah, I'm super excited. It's going to be cool. The so you kind of make your own trail kind of run. Yeah, it's like more a little orienteering involved. Um, I'm running with my friend Carrie Hyatt. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. It's going to be pretty brutal. I'm pacing at Wasatch um, September 9th, which is a, a really tough 100 that I'm going to try to get into next year that's in Utah. And I pace at the Sacramento Marathon every year. I'm in a, on the official pace team. So I get ready for that the first weekend of December, which is the same weekend as Western States Lottery. So that's nice. the weekend everybody finds out whether they get to run or not. So we'll see um, if I get pulled. If I don't, then I'll do something. I'll do Wasatch. Uh, Hard Rock is this weekend. So you guys, it's the hardest 100 mile in the country, which my ultimate goal. Western States was that. It's no. not. It's the Boston Marathon. So don't confuse it with Boston Marathon isn't the hardest marathon in the country by any means. It's not hard relatively speaking. There's other ones, Big Sur, there's there's other ones that are more more climb, more vert um that I would quote unquote say was harder. But um but Western States is the Boston for all of the oomph and the loudness, but not the challenge. It's not the hardest 100. So Interesting. Yeah, their hard rock's happening. It starts um, in the morning, and uh, that's in Utah. So they have 40, I believe, 48 hours or 45 hours to complete that one. It's so brutal. So, uh, you know. Brutal. Yeah. Crazy. It's fun. Good stuff. So if you had any advice, I mean, I know you got your, your tagline. Ride the Ride lightning. The lightning. You know, you said, old Mr. Curly, uh, Red Lightning. Um, what, what, what's some other, you know? Advice. To a runner Someone that wants to do Western States. Someone that wants to do, don't want to, don't run races just to qualify. Um, I feel like people start saying, oh, I just want to run states and I'm going to qualify and I'm just going to do that. I feel like you're missing the essence of ultra running if that's your only goal is for glory days. Because when you're, like, don't run for those glory days. I, I don't know. You have to, you have to love, there has to be a purity to it. You have to be able to want to do it when no one's watching. It's not about the selfie. Um, you got to have grit when no one cares. Yeah. And I think Western States is kind of the reward and the fluff. Um, but I think that if your motivation is just for that, you're missing the point in my humble experience. So when Some, you hear air horns in your, your normal everyday life, do you like, 
fuck, I got 30 minutes. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're, I, I brought that up because we got, we're hearing the train tracks oh, yeah. across Oh, here. across over there. Yeah, and it was like a PTSD thing. No, oh, God, no, I got no, 30 minutes. Because no, no. <laughs> even when I heard them, I didn't trip. I mean, I remember going in the aid station and I saw my friend Martin, who's a sweep, and my good friend Don Hitchcock, who volunteers. And she was like, they were like, MJ, you better hurry up. I'm like, nope, I'm exactly where I need to be. I am eight just fine. I remember exact. I remember saying that. I didn't feel that anxiousness or that pressure because I knew I'm good. I know I'm going slow right now, but uh, it's a shit show up here. And I've ran so much. I just know, and I'm going to take care of myself, and I'm fine. Because once I hit Miller's defeat and I hit the canyons, I'm going to lay the hammer down. And I just, I just ran really strong and did well. So hammer time. Hammer time. We're drinking knee deep right now. You want to pour me a glass? Do you have something? I do. I want to cheers on the end. Cheers, Melissa. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Tyler. Thanks for letting me share my my passion. Well, of course. I mean, how amazing. I mean, to tell your your grandkids someday, you know you run a hundred miles that's so goddamn fascinating i was so fascinated about it i'm not a runner by any means i look at my body not a runner right uh i could drink hey, we, i could i could we drink. talked about judgment yeah, you I can't could. judge an ultra runner you could absolutely be an ultra runner yeah, i could be you know? ultra runners like the hidden beards. in plain view you have the beard yeah the beard's it, a star. i feel like it would slow me down right the no beard. there's wind resistant trail running no? sleep on the side of the trail in the car have a beard you know, have a beard or a beer on the. Did the aid both. stations have beer? Um, yeah, and for volunteers. No, <laughs> um, you know, you don't want beer. You could have beer. Well, no, you can't. At states, you can't because you can't drink while you run anymore. I mean, not anymore. But I think really? that you could be. I want. I want to say that you can't. You couldn't consume alcohol because once you enter in the drug testing, you probably wouldn't be able to. Hmm, bummer. Right, because beer's always been seen, even as a light beer, it's a good car. I've I've heard. Um, oh, Gordy talks about the Germans. He, you know, they, Gordy made a Facebook post about how even the Tour de France. Oh, at the, they used to smoke at the Tour de France. Yeah. But you look at those old school pictures where they're riding the bikes and the cigarettes because it opens your capillaries. Yeah. right. They drink beer and stuff. Live and learn. Yeah. Um, so no, I don't know. Craig Thornley, my neighbor, who's the race director right around here, and my friend. Hi. Um, could you have a beer? I don't think we could anymore, huh? I don't know. Um, but on this street for Roby, it's a it's it's I'm not a, it's not uncommon. So Ann Trayson, who lives on Roby as well, she won Western States 14 times. Has a picture inside her office with Nelson Mandela. She has a cougar room. Okay, you get a cougar when you win when you win states. It's so moving. She's amazing. Across the street, Kim White. Not placed ninth at San Diego this year, ran Western States, was, I don't know what number at TRT the year I was 10th. And then down to my right, down here, you've got Sarah Maddox, who's an ultra runner who ran, you know, Canyons, 100K, and her husband's an ultra runner, ran a 50K. Dan Barger this year, down the street, got his 1,000-mile buckle. He ran States 10 times this year. Jesus. His wife is in Tevis Cup. Um, I mean, it's not like I'm special here. Because you're very special to the little Belgian belly. I do love the little. You're an awesome guy. 
customer of ours, and uh, I wanted to share your story. Thanks. Um, so, cheers. Thanks for being here. We're drinking uh, Hoptologist Knee Deep Auburn Beer. Auburn Beer. Uh, Always yeah. Auburn Beer. Cheers. We have great beer. Yeah, we do. MJ, Ultra Runner, Ultra Human Extraordinaire. Episode, I don't even know what episode this is because I stopped doing my podcast, but episode, whatever. <laughs> Melissa Johnson, Western States, 100 mile out of 390, 369 runners you placed. Um, I don't even know. 150, maybe? 140? I'm not sure. To be Doesn't honest, matter. I don't know. Who cares? Because you did 100 miles. I did. 